Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Praise the Lord. Now I got a mic too. Turn that bad boy on. This thing right here going to be poking me in my back. Amen. So welcome again, man. I'm so thankful. I just really, just tears just got all in my eyes reading those words and praising God this morning. How wonderful it is that, um, that the Lord is here with us today. Hey, we having, we're having family worship today, so if you hear the whispers and the giggles, it's quite okay. We don't get to continue to move forward in telling people about Jesus if we don't have children. Amen. So um, we are so thankful for that they are here in worship with us today. I'm so thankful that I'm here with you all, my family, today. And um, just to let you know that um, this is a book in Daniel, a one-time message, and Barbara and I are going to get to go and take some time off after today, but we have some great people coming in to teach. We have a lot. The Spirit is here this coming month, and it's an opportunity for the church you all, find somewhere to serve and be a part of it. You know, there's so many things to do. We've got family promise coming in tonight. We'll talk about that more. But I think God sometimes tells Barbara and I to step aside because God wants to remind us that this is his church. This is his church. And through that, it's made your church and my church. We, we, we are a family, and we work together to bring God glory. So with that being said... Um, I'm excited about getting to bring this message because pastors love to preach. And so I'm going to be away without being able to preach. Barbara's going to hear a lot of messages over the next four weeks probably. Just hope that it brings God glory. So we're going to be in Daniel 6 today. Daniel is an Old Testament book. If you want to look into the, find it in the, in the book, it's um, Daniel, and then go over to chapter 6. And while you're doing that, I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of of um, just, I went into a commentary and just pasted just a few of the things up to Daniel 6 of some of the things that were happening because there's some great stories in the book of Daniel, amen? You know, you ever want to get kids' eyes really big, there's some stories. And I'm going to tell you about, these aren't stories that are, are fiction. These are things or actual events that happened. So that's what really um, takes me captive. So in Daniel 1, he was taken captive. We all know that... that um, that the Babylonians ended up taking control of everything. The, especially the young men were taken into captive back to Babylon, and they were trying to put them through this special school where they would educate them in their way. They wanted to take all of the, the teachings that they had and, and replace it with worldly views. If you remember some of the stories, they were trying to, the king and all the people were trying to get them to eat red meat and all this stuff. And, and even Daniel was the one that, that um, said, hey, um, nah, let me eat what brings glory to my God, and I promise you it'll be better for you. Um, God reveals um, the dream in, it, in its meeting, and, and Daniel even comes and helps with interpretation. Um, Daniel 3, one of the most fun um, stories of the fiery furnace of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are the appointed names that were given to these young men by the Babylonians. And um, But the fiery furnaces, we all know the story is that they were in the fire, but then um, God was in the fire with them, and they did not get hurt. As a result, um, King Nebuchadnezzar, um, 
he come to know God, he's like, man, nobody needs to mess with these men's God. And he ended up kind of going off the deep end, going crazy for a little while. And God brought him back and restored him. Then in Daniel 5, we have the fall of Babylon. And that's where we're going to kind of start picking up the story because it was, um, it was in this now that a whole nother kingdom was established. And the, Babylon, the Babylonians didn't think anybody could ever take them. And that was one of their faults. He ended up leaving the door unlocked. <laughs> and these mugs come in and took them over. But um, the fall of Babylon, then in Daniel 6, we have Daniel in the lion's den. And I'm going to read some, and then we will stop and talk a little bit. But before we read in the scripture, can we just pray together and just ask God to lead us this morning? Thank you, God. We ask that you come. Send your Holy Spirit here. Let your word speak to our hearts today. Father, I pray that right now you would take every distraction away from us. I pray that your word would enter into the deepest, most darkest place of our heart. And that darkness would have to flee in the presence of the light. And I pray, God, that we leave here today more like you. Demonstrating more of your characteristics of love and patience and kindness and gentleness. Lord, we just need you today. We ask that you come, teach us and guide us through the Holy Spirit. And we pray all of this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, reading Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed high officers to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because of Daniel's great ability. The king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So just again, to give you just a little bit of context of what's happening, when Daniel went into, um, when he was taken in, he was about 15 to 20 years old. Here he's about 75 to 80 years old. Sometimes you think that this is just next week or next month or next year. There's been about 60 years, and if you know it and you're reading Jeremiah, there's a 70-year number there that's given and talking about we're going to be planted in an area that's not ours. So, so Daniel here is pushing 80. He's been in this area for long. This didn't even change kings, and, and Daniel is still bringing glory to his God. So... What do we see out of Daniel 6, just 1 through 3? Just a couple things to set things up. Daniel worked in a way to bring God glory. See, Daniel wasn't focused on what empire, what government, what man he was serving. Everything that Daniel did was to bring God glory. That's very important for us to understand because sometimes we get kind of caught up in, in finding our identity in ourselves or finding our identity in that we're Americans and there's nothing wrong with being Americans. Please, don't hear me. I love America. But I, I'm so more excited about being a part of God's kingdom forever than I am a part of the United States for 100 years. And, and, and I'm so glad that we get to talk about our God in this country. But what we've got to be careful of is that that no matter who we're working for, who we're working under, what, what, what's happening, everything that, that Daniel's teaching us here is that he was going to do everything above reproach because he knew who his God was. You know what that happened as a result of that? 
he rose up above everybody around him. Three administrators, three men were chosen to watch over all of these other officials over 120 provinces. And three men would supervise all of these others. Not much from a little 15-year-old kid who was taken captive and brought glory to his father, all through, to his God, all through his life. And now he has got power. But he's given all the glory to God. But then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Isn't it funny that people who don't know God will always try to find a way to hurt the people who are following Jesus Christ? And if they can't find any other fault in you, they will end up trying to come after you because of who you follow. And that's persecution. And those days are going to get even worse than what you see them now. We're just beginning to scratch the surface. So do not let it scare you or do not let it catch you off guard. See, because when lost people see the greatness of God through us, there's one problem. They can't identify that it's God. They're just jealous that a person is making them look bad. It's not us that's standing above reproach. It's not us that's coming early and staying late. It's not us who's wanting to work in excellence in everything we do. It's not us who's, who's, who's loving our wives at, at, at a level that, that just blows our friend's mind or loving our husband that just blows our friend's mind. It's not us who, who's taking our kids and taking time to, to read with them, to hold them, to hug them, to be there when, when everybody else. It's not us. That's God through us that is allowing that to happen. And if it's not God, it won't be long before it ends because man can't hold to the standards of God. So how great could it be that we live our lives in such a way that the people of the world could only try to persecute us through our religion? See, a lot of times we get scared of that and we're like, oh, it's coming. Oh, you're not going to be able to be a 501c3 here in another few years. I don't care. I'd be good. Take it away. I don't need it. I think we would understand that our religion means more to us if we had to hide in a cave and talk about it. How cool would it be if the government, and it's happening, you see it happening, could only start talking about us because of what we believe in in our faith. That's a win for God because that's his plan going into play. Read on. So the administrators, the, the three, two of them, they didn't, let, they didn't let Daniel in on this. And high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed 
an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So there was the Medes and the Persians that come together to end up taking out the Babylonians. So this was a, a shared kind of throne. There were two kings. But they were bringing forth this and, and getting this law brought into place. And, and the cool thing is, is they brought it into place by kind of stoking Darius's, King Darius's ego a little bit. You know, if you ever want somebody to do something, you know, people want me to do something. Like, Paul, you sure do look like you're losing weight. I swear you look 5'10". <laughs> you mind doing this for me? No, not a bit. I'm picking boxes up. Barbara looks at me and she's like, oh, Lord, you sexy. You mind washing them dishes? I wash them all day. <laughs> if you ever want anybody to do anything, start it off with a compliment. And so that's what they're kind of doing with old Darius here. Long live the king. And, and, they're, and they're stoking him up. And, and, and he's got this pride thing going on. And, and he didn't even know what he was getting himself into. All, are we not in agreement? See, all weren't in agreement. Daniel wasn't brought into that conversation. Sometimes when humanity wants to hurt another person... See, that's an affair. Most time people think about affairs just what we think. You know, affairs, anytime you take, three people take one person and alienate them from a plan. Then you started working behind the scenes. And that's what was happening. They weren't all in agreement. So King Darius signed the law. This is getting good. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed... He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. He prayed three times a day, just as it has always been done. He didn't start praying when the problem showed up. He'd been doing this before the problem ever occurred. He'd been giving his God glory when things were running well. Sometimes I know that I'm guilty of wanting to go and start praying three or four and five and all day long when the problem arises. What happens if we give our God glory when there's nothing for us to ask for? See, as I was, I was studying, a few of the notes from the theologians were writing is that he went upstairs. That's significant because to go upstairs meant that he wanted to go into a private place. He wasn't trying to let everybody see him pray. A lot of times people read that and say, yeah, but he opened the windows. He opened the windows towards Jerusalem because he wanted to pray back to where his home was. He wanted to pray back to where Jesus was going to be at, to where Calvary was going to be. He prayed back to where Judah was. He prayed back because he knew that he was a chosen person and he was praying back to his God. He wasn't praying to bring a notice to himself from the king, all these other people, or any other thing. He knew that his problem was a real problem, but his God was a real God. And if we're not careful, sometimes we'll pray and we want people around us to hear our prayer because we're hoping that they might hear some of our problems and just maybe they'll come in and rescue us from some of our struggles. Daniel had the type of faith where he said, I'm going to go and speak to my father in my private room about this. And I'm going to trust him. The second thing is that we notice about Daniel in this piece of scripture is that he knelt down. We talked about that a little bit last week. That he knelt down. He got into the posture of surrender. 
And I was thinking about that this morning, Barbara. I'm sitting there praying and I'm still laying in bed. And I didn't be obedient to the Spirit because God says, are you really, really, really humbling yourself before me because you're just laying in a relaxed state talking to me about some of the things going on in your life? What happens if we take the posture of the servant and let God be the master? See, we switch it around. We want God to be our servant while we're the master. The posture of the heart and the body and how we approach God speaks volumes about how we trust God. And if you're too prideful to ever be obedient to put yourself in a posture of submission to God, you're not in a place for Him to do the kind of work that you want to see happen. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> His windows were open facing Jerusalem. This signified where he let his hope lie. He prayed three times daily. See, he had consistency. Everybody say consistency. That's a tough word, ain't it? But he was consistent in spending time with his father. It wasn't on Monday, and I'll do it again if I think about it. It was, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to pray. In the middle of the day, I'm going to pray. In the evenings, I'm going to pray. He made time for God. He knew that he had to have obedience in spending time with his father. This was happening even before this problem arose. Let's read on. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. They thought they had him, didn't they? So they, was, so they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands, and it's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Woo, they said, we got him. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, he is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Here's good news break for us. God's law supersedes man's law. If man makes a law that tells you to sin against your God, I'm telling you right now as your pastor, you don't have to follow it. And that may happen. But God's law supersedes man's law. The officials had an agenda, and this caused them to work off of the king's need of self-gratification. They were back again in his face. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of his predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, this is what the king said, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. We can't miss that. Here is a king that does not believe in Daniel's God, but he sees something in Daniel. He said, may your God that you serve so faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. 
The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of the nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. May your God, whom you serve so faithfully. See, Daniel's response and how he acted towards this witnessed to the king. Your response in how you handle persecution in the United States of America today can witness to a president. We can either add a brick or we can take a brick down. We got to understand that our God is in complete control. And he, with one snap of his fingers, can wipe this land clean. The way Daniel responded to his persecution witnessed to the king. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out of the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. See what he said this morning? Daniel, servant of the living God. Something that happened to him. He done, he done broke away from all the partying and drinking and everything. He done spent his whole night fasting, wondering what was going on. He runs down there, Daniel, servant of the living God. Was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Listen to this. Daniel answered, long live the king. <laughs> Boy's knees got weak. Y'all got to understand, these lions then, they pretty bad stuff. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they wouldn't hurt, would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Glory was given to God for sparing Daniel. No harm came to Daniel because he trusted in the Lord. And his trust put angels around, around him. But I want you to notice something that really spoke to me and, and convicted me somewhat a little bit this week. Notice that Daniel did not make the one responsible for putting him in a lion's den, his enemy. On the contrary, he's called him your majesty. He still showed honor and respect to the authority of the land because that's what God calls us to do. The man had just Put him in a lion's den. Has anybody in here been put in a lion's den? You don't, I don't want to go to River Zoo and just fall into that little pit. But I'm talking about these were lions that would ravage and kill. And the man that he said, your majesty, the next morning was the man that put him in it. We need to hear this today. Because this is how God gets glory brought to him and not man. We can learn from this today. Many mistakes and decisions affect our lives as believers by the ones placed in authority over us. We know that for a fact. 
There is so much messed up stuff going on in this world. I'm so tired of watching Planned Parenthood commercials. But I'm going to tell you, the way, to, the way to win those people to know Jesus Christ ain't to make them my enemy. It's to get on my knees and to pray to my Father for them. It's to be a voice for the voiceless. But it's also to remember that God created the one who's doing the stuff. That's a tough thing for us to do, church. But that's what it means to die to ourselves to live for him. We witness to them in how we respond to their decisions. Church, we witness to the people in authority in how we respond to their decisions. Let's read on and finish up. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Malicious behavior towards God's people. You gotta hear me on this because this is pretty big. Malicious behavior towards God's people may not only hurt the person that's doing the malicious behavior, but it'll affect your family as well. These wives and children ended up getting torn and ravaged by lions because of the men's decisions. Malicious behavior towards Daniel's God caused destruction to many families over 120 different provinces. What's your malicious behavior towards God? What's your malicious behavior towards God's people? You find yourself having anger and bitterness towards a brother or sister in Christ? That's malicious behavior. You leave churches because they made you mad and come to another church? That's malicious behavior. When we understand that God's kingdom is all about every person that has been adopted by the blood of Jesus Christ and that we're all family. We understand that, that we have to surrender and submit to the authority of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we're to love each other because love conquers a multitude of sins. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus in, per in the Persian. Daniel lived in such a way that the leaders of the most powerful kingdom in the world acknowledged the power of our God. Here's my charge right here to the church. Can we live our lives in such a way that the leaders of the most powerful nation in the world will acknowledge the power of our living God? When we live as Daniel did... Part of the world will despise us, but the other part will admire us. 
Not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus Christ is in us. We pray when we understand. And Barbara, we pray when we don't understand. But we pray to our God. Listen, as we close, this is, this is it right here, I promise. Just a couple little verses. Listen to how Daniel reacted. He knelt down on his knees praying. And we'll give you some more references. Just as Jesus did in Luke twenty two forty one, 41. As Stephen did in Acts 7, 60. As Peter in Acts 9, 40. As Paul and other leaders in the church in Acts 20, 36. And as Luke in Acts 21, 5. Kneeling is a begging posture and we must all come to God as beggars. That's from Mr. Hestop, one of the theologians that I study. Mark 8, 38, it says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Only God can bring hope to the hopeless. Only God can deliver us from trials. And only God can shut the mouths of lions. What are the lions in your life? Where's your lion den at? Are you, are you trusting yourself to shut the mouths of these lions and to conquer this lion's den? Or are you trusting God to shut the mouths of these lions? Let's pray. Father God, may we have the faith of Daniel to trust you even when it looks like following you with 100% surrender would mean our demise. Father God, Lord, make our faith stronger where it is weak. Let us live a radical life bringing glory to you, Father, through your son, Jesus Christ. It's because of his blood that we are counted worthy to approach your throne. So, Father, we come to you this morning and we, we cry out to you. We beg to you, Lord God, that where we are weak, will you grow us in our faith? And, Lord God, may we let you be the one that goes before us and fight every one of these battles that is not from you. And God, may people see you in us so that they have repeated opportunities to respond to the good news of the gospel and that they would come to know you and that the kingdom would grow because you decided to move. And we have to give you all the glory and all the honor for it, Father. We thank you, Father, and we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs>